This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for June 7th, 2019. In this episode, Josh and Kirk discuss announcements made at Apple's 2019 Worldwide Developer Conference. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Josh, did you watch the keynote on Monday? Well, I did, I did watch it, but not live on Monday. I watched it uh, actually on, I think, Tuesday night when Apple finally released the uh, the keynote in the WWDC app on my Apple TV. Uh, and, and the reason for that, of course, is that at the time of the keynote, I was traveling back from Monaco. Uh, we talked last time about how I was going to be giving a talk at Objective by the Sea. Uh, this weekend and uh and th- by the way that was great um monaco i've never been to monaco before i've been to very few places in europe actually josh goes jet setting off to monaco and here i am stuck next to a farm <laughs> well yeah it's so it was uh it was definitely a great experience it was a lot of fun um with the exception of uh my travel back i was stuck in uh, an airport in Barcelona for like 16 hours or something like that. Um, so that was oh, wow. terribly fun. And then of course I was, uh, I was on an airplane for 12 hours, which right happened to be right when the keynote was. So I missed it live, but I did get to watch it afterward at least. Okay. So lots of interesting stuff and we're not going to cover everything because the, the Mac Pro is not for us, right? It's, it's for really high end creative professionals, video editors, uh, did you see that guy with like 450 tracks in in the Logic uh, <laughs> yeah. project? I mean, that's not for us. I'm lucky to put two tracks when I when I edit a podcast or something. I'm not really doing 8K video, you know, multiple streams of it and all that kind of stuff either. This is like yeah, as as a concept, it's wonderful. But you know, I get around with my little Toyota. I don't need a Lamborghini. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it is good. We should say that that Apple releasing a new modular Mac Pro with updated hardware. This is something that has been a long time coming. It's been several years since Apple updated the Mac Pro, and so this this is a good thing. And and I think the professionals who need extreme hardware are going to like, uh, you know, what Apple's offering in this new Mac Pro. I really like that design, don't you? They they took that cheese grater G5 and Mac Pro and they updated it. It's really cool. Yeah, um, it, it is a really interesting look. However, um, I actually, an old coworker of mine wrote to me and said, you know, that design really freaks me out. And then he messaged me again a little while later and he said, you know what? I think I figured out why I'm so freaked out by this. He said, I think I have this condition called trypophobia where um, this, it's this weird fear of kind of abnormal-looking, strange holes. And <laughs> so if you look at the front of, of this new Mac Pro and also the back of the new display that Apple released to go with it, um, they've got these sort of odd holes where, especially the, uh, around the edges, you've got um, – they're, they're not symmetrical, and they, they, they look kind of bizarre. And there's two layers of holes as well. 
Um, I, I laughed. I shouldn't have laughed before because this is a serious, any kind of phobia is pretty serious. Um, I had never heard of this. I'll link in the show notes to a Wikipedia article and to an article on a newspaper website that you found about this. Kind of interesting. Uh, obviously, there must not be too many people for Apple to have done this. <laughs> they didn't know about it, apparently. We'll, we'll keep this in mind. We'll keep this in mind. So what really interests us in the keynote was the many security and privacy features that Apple announced. I've got an article up on the Intego Mac security blog, and I've discussed the main features. And, and I really want to talk about this first one, which I think is really, really wonderful, sign in with Apple. Now, we've talked in the past about when you sign in on a website using Facebook or Google, you know, sometimes you see those buttons, Facebook, Google, Twitter. The problem is that you're giving your data to Facebook, Google, or Twitter, and that data from that website gets shared and you get tracked and all that. And the other problem is, and we mentioned when we talked about if you want to stop using Facebook, uh, then you can't log into all these sites that you logged in before using Facebook, for example. So Apple has come up with something called Sign In with Apple. And this will allow developers and websites to have a button so users can sign up to their services. Now, you get two options. You can sign up with your name and email address, or Apple will create a sort of random email address. So a bunch of random characters at privaterelay.appleid.com. And each one of those addresses is a unique address that will forward to your account. So you can sign up for whatever website you want. And you can choose to not put your email address in to put this random address. And if you start getting spam that's coming through that random address, you can immediately unsubscribe. You can block the address. You can, you know, just ignore it instead of having to jump through hoops to try and sort this out with the website. This is really good because this protects your privacy when you're connecting to a site where you may not want to give too much personal information. And it protects you against data breaches. So a website that's going to have a data breach and is going to a whole bunch of Gmail and iCloud email addresses and passwords end up being shared, um, you won't have to worry because you've got this random address that you haven't used anywhere else and that you can turn off at any time. Yeah. So at first, um, when Apple announced this and I was kind of thinking about it, I thought, well, conceptually, I guess that sounds a little bit like the Gmail plus addresses. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I kind of think we mentioned that at some point before on, on the show. But basically, the, the concept behind this is that if you have a Gmail address, you can put your username with the plus character and then whatever you want after that. And so you can give a unique address to different companies uh, and then you can shut down that plus address, you know, or have that automatically go to your spam folder or how, whatever you want to do with it. Um, that's a, quite a bit different in some ways, though, from what Apple is doing here. Because um, in this case, you've got, as you said, random characters at privaterelay.appleid.com. So it's not giving away your username to these companies that where you're, where you're using uh, your Apple ID to sign in. I really like that idea um, because your user ID, uh, although, I mean, it's not super personally identifying necessarily in some, in some cases it kind of can be. Um, I'm one of very few people who uses the username, the Josh Meister <laughs> online. And so if I happen to use that to sign up for your service, then you you can Google the Josh Meister and probably figure out who I am. So yeah, that's right. Um, so I really, really, really like the cons the concept of, of having a random character at, uh, something controlled by Apple. Now, some people might 
say, well, hang on a sec. You know, you guys always talk about Google and Facebook and privacy and all that kind of stuff. How do I know, you know, if all this stuff is getting relayed through Apple, how do I know that they're not just snarfing this, you know, data? And, um, and you know, I mean, we, we, you kind of have to trust Apple here. So, I mean, in the same way that you trust Google, if you have a Gmail address. Remember when Google said, don't be evil? And then they got rid of that motto. So that, that kind of is a good idea of what they've become. But I think it's obvious that Apple really is doubling down on privacy and that they have absolutely no interest. Because remember, Google and Facebook, they make their money from ads. Apple doesn't. Apple doesn't care what you do. They just want you to buy their devices. They want to lock you into their platform. And this is actually a way of locking you into a platform. If you've logged into a bunch of sites using this system it's hard to change the, your email address for all these sites onto another system. So it is a form of lock-in, and that's what they want. They don't want your data, but they want, your, they want you as a customer, and they want to keep you as a customer. Right, and there's a lot of things that can potentially, in some way or other, lock you into the Apple ecosystem. But, I mean, we, we've definitely seen, specifically with sign-in, we've seen that already with, face, uh, with Facebook, with Google, um, and some other services as well that have tried this. Um, but Facebook and, and Twitter and Google have, have really um, l- had good success, I guess. They've had a lot of adoption through a lot of different uh, websites and services. So, um, Well, it's easy. You click one button and you're in. Yes. Instead of having to create a password, remember it, add it to a password manager – you it's it's in a way you just have one password with Facebook and every website that lets you log in or even apps let you log in with Facebook. Um, it is simpler, but of course you're giving away all that data. It's simpler, but but uh, but yeah, you're you're giving some data at least to the company because now, for example, Facebook knows that you may know who you are because you gave your real name to Facebook. Yep. Uh, now they know that you are a user of that service. Um, exactly. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some information that you're giving away anytime you use a third party. So. Um, I, I, overall, I guess what we should say is this actually sounds like a really good thing, and I'm I'm happy that uh, that Apple is has decided to put together this service. Um, although, yes, it's another way that Apple locks you into their ecosystem. It sounds good, actually, to me in in a lot of ways. Yeah, it does. Um, a, another thing is that your identity is pr- protected by two factor authentication. Now, there's no documentation about this yet for users. Presumably, Apple's going to require two factor authentication to use this, and they're requiring it more and more um, for different services. But you'll also be able to authenticate on websites and apps with Face ID and Touch ID because Apple's going to remember your credentials with this. So, in a way, you're on your Apple device, and Apple knows who you are. And it'll be quicker to authenticate on websites without having to actually fill in any information because of this. One thing that Apple is doing is that they're requiring any app developer, so anyone selling an app through the Mac App Store or the iOS App Store, um, who uses third-party sign-in systems like Facebook, Google, and Twitter to also use sign-in with Apple and to put it on top in the in the row, in the column of buttons. Yeah, and which makes sense. I mean, you you want it to be obvious to users how to sign into the service. So, well, it makes sense that they want to be first in the list, and <laughs> and they want people to have that reflex because yeah. it'll be easy. You won't have to do anything. Uh, you're already signed in with your Apple ID on whatever device you're using. In most cases, you could use a Mac without signing in to iCloud. It's more difficult on an iOS device, um, but this will allow 
Apple to get you into the ecosystem. And that's what they want. Yep. A hardware uh, feature that's going to come, which I kind of like, uh, you know, activation lock on an iOS device. Um, if your device gets stolen, you can send a, a message out and it'll lock it. No one can access it. And they're moving this over to the Mac. Uh, this is for Macs to contain a, a T2 security chip. Now, apparently these are Mac minis, MacBook Airs, and MacBook Pros from 2018 or later, and the iMac Pro as well. So these have the T2 security chip. If you have a MacBook Pro with a touch bar, the T2 security chip is what lets you uh, use Touch ID there. Uh, I didn't know it was in the Mac Mini. I have a Mac Mini. I looked at this. No place I can do Touch ID on the Mac Mini. Um, but I think the activation lock is a good idea. This could reduce the number of thefts of Macs. Yeah. I, and by the way, this is going to be a feature in macOS Catalina specifically, which is the next big version of macOS after. Right. All the features we're talking about today are coming in the fall. iOS 13, macOS Catalina, watchOS 6, tvOS, whatever it right, is. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so this is a macOS Catalina feature, um, and basically the idea behind this is if your Mac is lost or stolen, you'll be able to lock it so no one else can use it. Um, and so the, the T2 security chip provides kind of a, a bundle of a lot of different potential functionality, and so this is Apple uh, utilizing that chip in yet another way to protect your Mac if you happen to lose it or someone steals it or things like that. Okay, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Apple Watch, we're going to talk about HomeKit, iOS features, and more. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac, or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 50% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then use the promo code PODCAST19 at checkout to save 50%. That's PODCAST19 to save 50% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Okay, just before the break, we were talking about activation lock on the Mac. And in order to um, trigger activation lock, you need to use the Find My Mac app. Uh, Apple has renamed this app, and they're calling it Find My. I don't like that kind of incomplete sentence, the grammar. Yeah, it sounds very strange. It currently, it's called Find My Mac, Find My iPhone, Find My iPad, uh, Find My iPod Touch, etc. They're also rolling in Find My Friends into a single Find My app. So if you've ever used this app, you open it up and you can see where all your devices are. Um, you can ping them. So let's say you can't find your iPhone at home and it's in the couch someplace. 
Um, you can send a, a signal so it plays a noise. You can erase them. You can deactivate them. And with activation lock, you'll be able to permanently lock them. I, I think two things here. One is good to make this a single app because many people have more than one uh, Apple device. So having that different naming is a little confusing. And adding friends to it, it's not a bad idea. I mean, it's a different use. I almost never go to the Find My Mac or Find My iPhone app, but I do use Find My Friends sometimes when my partner and I are going to meet someplace. And last weekend, we went down south for a couple of days, and I had a thing, and I was looking for her, and, oh, there she is in the pub on the corner. Um, so it's really useful. But I don't care where my Macs and iPhones are when I do that. But it does make sense that Apple roll this all together. Yeah, I, I like the idea, though. I, I mean, considering that these are all things that you open up the app and you want to see where they are on a map. And, and so the, the idea here is that you just open one app for anything that you want to see on the map. So um, I, I get conceptually why Apple combined all these together. And it, it, it sounds like it's not a bad idea. It simplifies things. Now, there's something else that's interesting in this. If you've got a device, like you've got a laptop, and it's asleep, it's offline, it's not turned off, but it's asleep, uh, you might be able to find it using crowdsourced location data. Here's, here's Apple's explanation from their website. When you mark your device as missing and another Apple user's device is nearby, it can detect your device's Bluetooth signal and report its location to you. It's completely anonymous, encrypted end-to-end, so everyone's privacy is protected. So essentially your device will be sending out pings and anyone else around it who's got an iPhone running iOS 13 will get that and send the data to Apple. I think that's really clever. I hope it's going to be an opt-in because maybe people won't be too comfortable about their devices being used like that. But when when your computer is asleep or your iPhone or your iPad, um, as long as it's not powered down, this can be a way of finding it. Yeah, I, I think um, my my first concern, and they addressed it immediately in the keynote, was uh, battery life. <laughs> like, how is this going to affect everyone else's battery life around you if you happen to enable this this feature to try to find your device? Um, and uh, they say that you know it's just going to piggyback on you know signals that are already emanating from your devices anyway, and so it's not going to uh, cause any significant detectable drain on batteries of any Apple devices. Well, note that it's Bluetooth, not Wi-Fi, because Wi-Fi would use a lot of power. But the thing is, when your device is asleep, it can't connect to Wi-Fi, and Wi-Fi is how you activate the activation lock or erase your device. Mm. Um, so this actually, I guess what it does is it manages maybe... Let's think about this. There doesn't have to be much data to send that command. Um, Maybe if someone walks by with an iPhone, they find it, but that person walks away. Then the next time another person walks by, the command that you've sent will be sent to the device. Again, since it's Bluetooth, what they call Bluetooth LE, low energy, Mm -hmm. it probably doesn't hit the battery much. Right. Yeah. So conceptually, I mean, this sounds interesting. Um, and I'm sure that Apple is doing things here to make sure that it doesn't harm any individual's privacy, of course, uh, or, you know, like they say that very clearly, giving yeah. away uh, their location. It is sort of odd, though, that, you know, even people you don't know who happen to be using an Apple device, if they're if they happen to be near your device, it's their device that sort of signals to Apple's system where your device is located. So that means that Apple basically knows where everyone is all the time, which, I mean, yeah, they did anyway. But it's just like really emphasizing that, that Apple knows where you are. If your device is on, they know where you are. 
because if you've got Find My activated, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're going to know where you are. You don't have to activate this. You can turn it off. I guess, like you say, it's it, it remains to be seen whether this feature of having your device being able to help other people's devices be found that we'll have to see whether that's opt in or not. I, I don't I don't know. We'll we'll have to we'll have to learn more about this when more details are available. Um, I just put a short article on my website um, this morning. This is a beta. I made three very brief points about the Apple Keynote. The first, it's not for you. Talking about the Mac Pro. The second, it's just a beta. Um, this is the very first beta. Things will change. And the third, which we'll talk about maybe next week, um, I've got an article for the Intercom Act Security blog about this. It's not dead. iTunes is not dead. Um, this is clickbait. This is fake news. iTunes is still alive. They've just changed the name. Anyway, so there's a feature that I find really interesting. Have you ever used your Apple Watch to pay on your Mac with Apple Pay? Um, no, actually, I, I haven't. I, I, I'm not really an Apple Pay user yet. I've, I've thought about it, but haven't done it yet. So I've done this a few times. There are websites that accept, accept Apple Pay, and you click the thing, and a sheet comes down in Safari, and it takes a few seconds. A gear turns until it makes the connection with the watch, which has to be you know within 10 meters, 30 feet. And then it tells you to double-click the button on your watch, and the watch shows which card it's going to use, and you double-click it, sends the message to the website. And all of this means that you can pay without getting out a credit card number, without entering a credit card number on a website, et cetera. So Apple is adding uh, a new feature called Approve with Apple Watch to do other things that require your approval. And some of the things they mention are opening secure system preference panes, um, viewing passwords in Safari, approving app installations, etc. So essentially, your iPhone knows who you are. It's signed in with your Apple ID. Your Mac knows who you are. It's signed in with your Apple ID. Your watch is connected to the iPhone and with the same Apple ID and knows who you are. And as long as it's on your wrist, it's active. So the Mac can trust your watch that your identity that you've done with Face ID or with the passcode on the watch is correct. If they trust it for paying um, with credit cards, it must work for this. I find this a really interesting idea. And of course, this resolves the problem of not having Touch ID on a, a desktop Mac. Right. Yeah. In fact, that's uh, just like you were talking about before. For example, the Mac Mini doesn't have Touch ID and, and no Macs at this point have Face ID either. So, right. um, you know, what are you going to do? Well, if, if you happen to have a Mac Mini and you want to be able to uh, to pay this way, then uh, all you need is an Apple Watch now. And you just double yeah. tap and it makes it easy. I already unlock my Mac with my Apple Watch. Do you do that? Um, no. No, I'm, I'm a little paranoid about that just because, like, if I happen to be within range but I'm not actually walking up to my device, I don't want someone else to be able to, you know, sit down in front of my device and start using it. Yeah, if you're within the 10 meters or 30 feet for Bluetooth and someone goes to wake up your Mac, say presses a key on the keyboard, it will wake up. Um, you get a little tap and a little notification on the watch. And one day I was in the bedroom. The bedroom's right above my home office. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, what, six meters above. And I got that tap and I went downstairs and my Mac was awake. I'm thinking one of the cats jumped on the desk and walked on the keyboard. Um, uh -huh. So it's true. If you're in the next room, right, if you're in the office next door to yours and you've got your watch, someone can go in and wake up your Mac. So you don't want to use it all the time. I work at home. I can trust it. My cats, they don't know how to type. So I'm not really too worried about it. As far as you know, Kirk. Well, I know, right? Um, but 
I'm, I'm not too worried about it. Okay, a couple of small new features. iOS 13's got some new location controls. So when an app wants to use your location, you no longer have to choose always or when using the app. You can choose just once. I love this. You might want to do that to not always give, I don't know, Waze or Google Maps or whatever access to your location. Um, But when you launch the app, it'll ask you, you say, I want to give it to it once. Maybe you driving someplace, you're looking for directions. And then you don't have to worry when you're not using the app that it's going to be using your location again. Here's why I really, really, really love this feature. Um, There's so many apps where they want to know your location and it might be convenient you know, to allow it to know your location that one time. But you, they, you know that app is never really going to need to know where you are ever again in the future. So um, th- this is perfect because then now I don't have to remember to go into my settings and, and delete the access that this yeah. app has to my location. Yeah. Um, so brilliant. I'm so happy that Apple added this. Um, as far as or is adding is it, adding it. yes. Remember, this all comes out in the fall. As far as children is concerned, they're banning the use of tracking technology in apps that are sold in the kids category in the app store. So some of these kids apps may have third party advertising with trackers or analytics and they're sucking up data about kids and they're going to ban apps with this. What they generally do with something like this is they grandfather in existing apps. But the next time the app developer tries to update the app, then they'll pull this stuff out. They'll they'll flag it. I think this is good. Kids app shouldn't have this stuff. It's pretty simple. It's a no-brainer. Right. But I want that functionality, too. Can I opt out of it? <laughs> like I, For adults, yeah. I don't want to be tracked either. I know. I, know. <laughs> I mean, it's great. I, I appreciate that Apple's protecting kids by not allowing them to be tracked. But, uh, hey, none of us want to be tracked either. Well, so maybe, that's, maybe we'll see that in iOS 14, where adults get the, the right to turn off all these things. Maybe. <laughs> okay, uh, in, in iOS 13, there's going to be some enhanced Wi-Fi and Bluetooth privacy features. They didn't say much about it. They just kind of said that they were going to be there. Um, strengthened anti-fingerprinting protection in Safari. This is when a website uses information about your browser, your operating system, your location, date and time, and all that to create a profile. Um, and you'll be able to easily remove location information when you share photos. So if you put a photo up on Twitter, hey, we're having a wonderful barbecue here. And you're showing people where you are, for instance, that you're not home, or you've got pictures of your friends showing that they're not home, that they're at your house, because anyone can read that location data easily. I hope this is on by default, that you don't have to turn it on. I I hope this is a setting to always remove location information and to override it when you want the location information included. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see about that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like the the idea behind this. Uh, it, even if it is something where you have to do this one by one or for a group, a selected group of, of photos, um, because although a lot of sites where you might upload your picture will strip out the location information for you, you know, when you're dropping a photo to somebody else through AirDrop, for example, yeah. or any number or of other email. ways that you might distribute yeah. Yeah, or in any way that you might be distributing this original photo, um, it, it by default, uh, if it's a photograph, it's got the location data. If you took it, you know, took that photo on your iPhone. Yeah. So, um, you know, you may not necessarily want to always share the location where that photo was taken with anybody that you're sharing it with. So it's definitely great that they're finally building this into the operating system and not forcing you to have to use a third party app to strip out 
that information. Okay. Um, in, in more obscure macOS features, and I find this one really interesting, Apple says that macOS is going to run in its own private read-only volume. I'm going to say that again. macOS will run in its own private read-only volume. Now, as I understand this, when you format a disk uh, for uh, macOS Catalina and you install it, it creates two volumes, one with the operating system and maybe applications, and another one with your personal data. So this read-only volume means that no one can write data to it. Obviously, you can override it in certain ways. You can, but this will make it a lot harder for malicious apps to write files, to alter files, for apps to install certain things that you may not want installed. I find this really, really interesting, this approach. Yeah, this is um, another step in the iOSification of macOS. They're they're locking down the system in ways you that could look at make it, it that much way. more difficult. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, think about it. it. There, there are a lot of legitimate developers. Um, you know, whether it's antivirus software or a number of other things, where um, you know th- things are going to have to really change dramatically in the way that software works with the operating system now because of some of these. Yeah, but I'm sure you'll still be able to install things with an installer giving approval and saying, I agree to install this, which happens today um, when you install certain things in that space, right? If if an app is installing an extension or a driver or something, you have to enter your username and your admin password. But what this is going to do is prevent malicious apps from doing it in the background when you don't know about it. Right. Well, yeah, and that's the goal, obviously. Uh, and I haven't read all of the developer documentation on this, but when they when they say private read-only volume, that sort of sounds like uh, it's completely off limits. Like nothing can touch this. Yeah, but you're going to have to be able to install apps with certain drivers. Um, that that just seems normal. Um, but we'll find out. Again, this this is a beta. This is just a beta, um, and we can't actually talk about how these things work because. Um, at least until the public beta comes out next month, I've got a developer account and I'm under NDA. So I've been running Catalina for a couple of days, but I can't really say too much about it. Um, another interesting thing they've announced is that apps on the Mac will need permission to access files in your documents or desktop folder, iCloud Drive, or on any, any external volume connected to your Mac. So what I'm thinking is you launch Microsoft Word for the first time and you have to give approval the same way you have to approve accessing your photos, uh, your camera, your microphone, etc. I find this interesting. This is another way to prevent apps from getting access to your files. And particularly, these are files that are in the user space that by default, any app running in the user space can access. So this is creating a new level of security within the user space. Um, Apple did say documents or desktop folder. They didn't say the user library folder, your pictures folder, your music folder. So they seem to be limiting it to just two folders, plus plus iCloud Drive or an external volume. Yeah, and we were talking before we started recording the show that um, you mentioned that maybe one of the reasons for this is that Apple is trying to uh, stop ransomware, right? Yeah. Like the idea is typically what ransomware will do is if it gets on your system uh, and starts running, it will usually go right for your documents and things on your desktop because those are typically the things that um, users are going to, you know, most want to protect. They're, they're going to want to keep those things safe. Um, and, and so 
that could be one of the reasons why Apple is doing this. Um, or more generally, it might just be that, um, you know, if if some malicious app gets on your device, maybe it wants to collect that information and send it off to some third-party server. Um, there have been in the past uh, apps that, uh, even in the Mac App Store, that collected, for example, all of your browsing history, and it could have just as easily collected files on your desktop or other places like that as well, and then sent them off to some server. So this is something where um, hopefully users will think carefully and and not just burn out from seeing these dialogue boxes all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, that is something that we're seeing an, an increase in uh, both in Mojave and now in Catalina, where Apple is prompting you a lot more with all these security and privacy prompts. And it could get to the point of user fatigue. Which is what happened on Windows. Yeah. Yeah. This was a really big problem with Windows Vista. Uh, and, you know, you had you had people who were just fed up with the user access controls or whatever they call it, UAC, um, which was just constantly harassing users with, you know, like locking the whole screen, darkening the screen and making you do something in this dialogue box before you were allowed to continue with anything else that you were doing. And it was just really obnoxious. But people got so used to this happening all the time and they knew that if they just hit yes go ahead whatever that it would move on and let them continue yeah that people didn't really pay that close attention anymore and that's what i my concern is with having too many dialogue boxes like this i hope that users will still pay attention or maybe not still but yeah <laughs> i hope that users will pay attention, attention. yeah well, you right. don't really see too many now. You see when an app wants to use your microphone, your camera, uh, there are a couple of times you get alerts. Um, but there's not too many yet. But there will be more, and people are going to have to learn. And I hope that Apple does some sort of onboarding to explain this the first time that this occurs. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I think that's enough for this week. Next week, how about you tell us a little bit about the presentation you gave in Monaco? Okay, sure. It, it was a lot of fun, so I'd be happy to do that. Okay, until next week, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com. <laughs>